Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Hey, Paul. Good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, been a couple of weeks since we... Uh, chatted. Uh, lots been going on. Big storm came through on the East Coast here. Um, I don't know about you, Paul. Uh, for us, a um, little bit of cleanup on uh, this past week after the storm. Little bit of water in the basement. Not not a lot. You know these typical homeowner problems. But man, just in my town alone, there were cars underwater. Like all kinds of havoc took place. You know, I don't know what what's what's been going on with you, Paul. But that's kind of been the hot topic. Is uh, I think preparedness for the storm. I had my generator, which I've had forever. I've talked about it on the show. Hardly ever use it, right? Spent a lot of money putting a generator attached to the house. Hardly ever use it. Uh, got a little water in the basement, and we had a our cable went out for maybe 12 hours, something like that. By the time we woke up in the morning, 9, 10 o'clock, it was back up and running. You know, first world problems, right? No, nowhere near what other people experience. So thankful and grateful. I had enough water to pick up with a shop vac, you know, kind of here and there, but nothing substantial. Uh, Paul, how was your past two weeks? Uh, good, crazy busy. I'm actually uh, down in the Florida area right now, and the storm did blow through in the northeast. And one of my uh, volunteer things for the firehouse is something called emergency operations. So when the storm kicked in, we certainly um, we opened that up, and I did it virtually, which is a little weird, trying to guide some of that from here but uh, you know it uh, hit our area really hard I know one of the uh, local departments had to rescue a number of people out of cars uh, really close to my house fortunately my house was okay I had someone go check on it but uh, we actually lost our new fire truck oh wow wow going to a fire call during the heat of the storm the uh, chauffeur drove through a, a large ponding section and the truck died and in, ingested tons of water and now the engine needs that has to be rebuilt or replaced. Oh boy, so. sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, it was. It's thanks. been crazy. It's it's been crazy what I've been seeing around town. Even even abandoned cars and such. Uh, so that that's kind of been the topics. Other than that, school starts for my kids next week. Um, not much going on. A couple of activities. My son finished his summer job. Uh, so um, got to do a couple of things with him while he's taking a break in between work and school. So other than that, it's been pretty pretty quiet. So uh, n- nothing really to report. All right, good. So let's hop in here, Paul. Cool, cool. Yeah, so I think we'll go into the, the weekly topics of, of Reddit, personal finance, random topics. We've always had fun with this, and, and we'll jump into those topics. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story, uh, my wife had sent me the link um, in New York Times, uh, Your Money Advisor, apps try putting financial literacy at kids' fingertips. They can be valuable resources to help parents teach children about money, but may encourage risky behaviors, some experts say. So, um, interesting article, Paul. I don't know if everyone could get to it. It's one of those things where 
uh, it, it's the New York Times, right? So I think you get like two tries and then you have to subscribe. So, um, but but if you could get to the story, hopefully you can get to it. Um, it it's interesting. Um, I'm looking at some of the apps and stuff and, and what they're talking about, I guess, is, is kind of this whole idea of kids uh, using credit cards and, and figuring out some of these things. And, and I guess most of the article talks about some of the dangers of some of this. Paul, what was your thoughts on this story? I, I thought it was, it's neat, and I, I applaud them for trying to do it. As I reflected on what we did with our kids over the years, there's nothing like having the money in your pocket. And then, and I think we even talked about this in one of the episodes, and going to the store and taking that money out and handing it over to get something. Until they can make that connection, an app is just a, a toy almost to them. It doesn't have those real-world consequences. And so I, I'm a big believer in, in cash, and especially with the kids letting them, well, you know, here's $10 in singles or a $10 bill. And depending on how old they are, they might go for, you know, or say it's $10 bill and seven singles, right? So they might go for seven singles because it's mm. more. Once they understand that 10 is more than the seven singles, right? Then then you can start to do even more with it. But there's something to be said for taking something out of your pocket and putting it on the counter. So... Um, neat it's good I, I until they're more mature i i prefer the cash method yeah i have to agree with you on that paul uh well said um the second story is the by cnbc to join the great resignation some workers are willing to go into debt make these financial moves instead i i thought i guess this is one of the first times i'm hearing about this term i think i might have heard it before um and i guess it has to do with people that are i guess no longer want the job they're in so they just quit and some of them are quitting so badly you know they hate their job so much and, and it's it's so bad for them that they're willing to just go into debt to do it uh which i thought was interesting and i think some of the basics are listed in here that we always talk about on the show which you should have even if you're not going to resign from your job right so you know having that emergency fund you know, assess your spending habits. Uh, make sure you uh, keep healthcare costs in mind. Um, you don't want to quit, and then all of a sudden you're paying quadruple for healthcare. Um, and keep track of all your financial accounts, right? So, I think it's interesting. Um, but Paul, what what was your take on this story? Well, I think this is uh, kind of real, and that's why certain places can't get people to work because so many people have just resigned. They they're reevaluating their whole lives. I actually have a friend of mine who did resign recently and he didn't have another job lined up and but he did do a lot of the steps necessary all right how's the health care covered how what is the spending monthly and the income coming in from his spouse so for him he's doing good he's um you know he's out there doing stuff he's been putting off for years and years so i, I do think it's an interesting dynamic at some point a lot of these people are going to have to go back to work when they stop extending a lot of the uh, services. And it, it's going to alter the type of work they want to do. Right? They, they, people are looking at it more from a holistic point of view of what's good for them, especially mentally and, and health-wise. But 
it's interesting, you know, we've had the Great Recession, now we have the Great Resignation. So I have heard this term quite a bit, and that's why there are just so many job openings out there right now. The job market itself is very, very hot. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was, I didn't realize how big of a thing it was um, just reading that article and then kind of Googling a little bit. Seems to be like a a term nowadays that people are are following. So I guess if if someone is out there and, and wants to kind of follow that mantra, this is all good advice. But I think it's all kind of the same advice we've been giving over and over and over again, right? Have the emergency fund, prepare for the worst, all these different things we've talked about. So if, if you're looking to make that type of change, um, just go in with your eyes wide open and make sure that uh, you have kind of those those emergency funds and and stuff ready. I guess I'm taking it Paul that your friend had that kind of mind, you know, that thought process where I'm going to save a bunch of money and kind of just take a shot and then figure out the next steps. Well, well his wife um, was doing okay as well, so between the two of them and, you know, their monthly income cut in half to say I don't know, but they were still able to continue to live their normal life. With because yes, he has some some solid savings, and you know he was already planning for retirement. So he feels like you know what, I'm done. Got it. So, got it. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. He hasn't okay. even. I don't think he's even started looking for a job yet. He might soon, but uh, we'll see. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, I wish him a lot of luck. That's awesome. Um, yeah, for folks that want to kind of take that shot one day. What was that? I said, maybe we'll have him on the show. Yeah, if we can get his experience post uh, that, you know, that'd be great to kind of unpackage, right? If he was willing. That's awesome. So, cool, cool. So, I guess with that, we'll go on to our weekly topics Um, uh, Reddit personal finance random topics, right? And you could find these at reddit.com, R E D D I T.com, forward slash R forward slash personal finance. So, we pick a lot of topics out of here. We've done this in the past. Um, I'm doing something a little bit differently for myself today, Paul. I'm just going to, I usually make some notes against each topic. Um, I'm not doing that today. I'm going to take a shot at just kind of letting whatever I read kind of unpackage, right? So it's not kind of in my mind, right? Just a new technique. I probably will go back to making little notes (laughs) on each topic, but I'm going to try something a little different today to kind of take a look at it. So the first topic, uh, the question is, should I leave my current job? for a potentially higher paying job if that means paying back my tuition reimbursement. So you could read through this story, but the highlights are, you know, there's two options on the table, right? So this person is currently in a job making X amount per hour, um, has some tuition reimbursement. There's a new job offer for more money um, that doesn't have uh, the tuition reimbursement. So if if this person leaves one job to go to the other job, um, got to pay back... um, Let's see. Did it say how much they're paying back here? Twenty two hundred dollars. Right. So so for me, Paul, when I look at this article, when I look at this question um, and I think we've talked about it on the on the call before, it's all about the math. Right. It's to me. It's a simple. I'm going to date myself here. You get a legal pad and a pencil. (laughs) You put column A, column B, and you start working the numbers and see what it is. Now, to me, and I'm reading a lot of the comments here. you know, $2,200 is um, something that is is nothing to sneeze at, but I don't think it's material. Um, I think there's other factors that go into the job. So once again, this is one of those areas where 
I would need all the facts in order to make the qualified decision. But more importantly, it was it's for me, it's do the math. And Paul, what's your take on this story? Yes, yeah, so I did read this one. Um, I, I'd almost suggest they, they stay in their current environment would be my take on it because the new job is potential for more where they would get a portion of the sales in the parts industry, some sort of a parts company, where the other is a lab technician. Uh, sounds like a medical field, doesn't say it specifically, but generally lab tech, medical. Uh, you you got to play the long game here. Um, they're getting more now, I understand that. The other is potential for more, but here they got their tuition reimbursement, which will abate over time as to how much they have to pay back, if ever, if they're there long enough. And perhaps they can continue to pursue and grow their education further with the first uh, institution. Yes, you have to do the math, but you have to look long term. You know, where's the other place going to be in 10 years? Where's this place going to be in 10 years? And to this person, $2,200 is a lot of money. They say they've never made more than 25 a year, so they're obviously drawn to that additional money. I don't blame them. But, yeah, like you said, Paul, do the math and and take a look at it. But it doesn't sound like the other one is a guaranteed income. It's it's definitely a a part of sales. Yeah, that's interesting because I think uh, you, you bring that element of risk. That's a great call out. Um, that element of risk kind of seeps in. Um, and once again, not knowing all the details, right? When when they say it's, you know, um, are they, you know, well, I always look at it from a sales perspective where you're making kind of the uh, a commission or you're, you're kind of sales driven. You know, are you selling a vacuum cleaner door to door or is this person working in a, I don't know, a dealership or I'm assuming, let's assume it's an auto parts, right? And it's a reasonably known dealership and, it's more of a soft sale. People are coming to you because they need parts, right? I don't know, right? And and I yep. think you're saying that as well. We just don't know. There's a potential to make more, but you know, I would have to have more facts. Are there other people there that are working as a parts advisor? What does their pay look like? Uh, you know, what could that look like? You know, um, but yeah, it, it's very interesting. So uh, once again, I think we're both in agreement. Factor in the risk. Do the math, and. Um, to your point, Paul, it sounds like your, your your encouragement would be to stay put, which I can't disagree on, right? I think that, that's definitely an option this person could take. Um, but once again, for me, I think I, I would need more detail to kind of dig deeper and just make sure you're weighing everything. Um, cool, cool. The second one, uh, second question is where to store down payment for house, two to three year time frame. Uh, began saving for a house, want to buy one in the next two to three years. Should I stick it in cash in the bank? Uh, feel I'm missing out big with inflation. What does everyone think? Once again, this is a this is a tough one because the two to three year mark is, to me, on the bubble. I think if it were 18 months or less, I'd be more apt to keep it in a seat, you know, in cash in a bank account, right? With no really little to no interest. Um, if it were a, you know, four to five year window, I would say you roll the dice and you could looking at some simple S and P five hundred funds, mutual funds from one of the big providers, and and do a little bit more of a riskier play with the money. Two to three years, Paul. I'm 
I'm reading the comments. They're all over the place. I am <laughs> as well. Um, I think two to three years is is an interesting one um, because I think that, um, once again, uh, it's a robust market now. There's it, no, you know, what's that thing they always say in, in the little fine print on all these little funds? You know, you, past performance doesn't guarantee future returns. So, exactly. you know, you could take calculated risks here, but... Two to three years is on the bubble for me, Paul. I'm going to say two and a half years. If it were me, I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it in cash. I, that's what I'm going yeah. to do. I think if I really had to put my, uh, uh, my if I had to make a, a decision, yes is yes, no is no, maybe is no, uh, would I put this into a riskier investment or do I really want that house in two and a half years? I'm going to just keep it in cash and keep saving and just keep going and then I'll, save my investing once I have the house down payment done. Paul, what's your take on this story? I, I feel very similar to you, Paul. Um, you know, the best safety thing you could probably do is, you know, like maybe like a high yield savings account. You know, CDs, you're locked in for the term. The rates are also very low anyway. You know, a two, three year term. If you find that magical house and all of a sudden say you have the money and now you're going to pay a penalty taking it out of a CD. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence here. Part of me is like, well, do you split it? You put some in an investment and some in just hard cash in the account. And it, it depends on your risk tolerance for that. Uh, two to three years, you know, if you look at where the market's gone in the last two to three years, it, it's done, it's, it's up and down like a roller coaster. So to your point, right? past performance doesn't guarantee any future results so uh, part of me is in the mindset depending on how much money you know if, if you're talking fifty hundred thousand dollars then you split it you know to your risk threshold for and maybe some of it's in funds uh some of it's in mute some of it's equities and then some of it's in cash it, it all depends but if you're very risk adverse, and of course you're just going to keep it in a checking or savings account. I don't think this person is risk adverse because they're asking, like, well, what can I do? Uh, that, that's how I would play this one. But it depends on how much money. Like I said, if it's $100,000, you know, that's one thing. If it's $10,000, putting it into anything riskier, the, the gains on that uh, in the long term for buying a home would be minimal. Right? Even if you're getting 10% a clip a year, okay, it's $1,000, and that's a lot, but it, it's not going to materially change buying a home if it's only a little bit of money. When you look at the average home cost of the home in America, it, it, it's not going to materially change it. It really depends on how much money you're talking about and your risk tolerance. Yeah, that's a great call out, right, depending on the amount that you're playing with. I, I, I do have a real life case in point. I've talked about this on the show. I'm I'm incredibly risk adverse. I did start to put money outside of my retirement into some mutual funds, right? Not a lot, but you know, I, I think over the last year, uh, maybe 18 months, I've been uh, experimenting with, with mutual funds. And and, you know, and just just a real world example, you know, going along, going along, going along and they're they're moving up. Oh, making money going up. Oh, it's making money up, oh, going up, making money. Um, then I have, you know, then one of those funds took a turn 
and, and it knocked out the return, right? Like for, for the whole set, right? Now, I'm, I'm convinced it'll come back, right? So I'm not watching it intently, but I don't have another use for that money at the moment, so I'll let it go. But if I were in this situation, I would probably have a few hundred dollars less of a down payment than I would have had if I just kept it in a bank account. Right. Okay, but so, if you're buying a house, I think the average, I don't remember the average home price in the U.S. I think it was those around two hundred fifty grand. Can I ask you a question, Paul? Three hundred dollars lighter in the pocket on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home isn't materially different at that point. Again, it depends on how much money. You know, you know, yeah, that's true. About. That's true. I I think so. You're saying that the risk it's worth the risk tolerance. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. But I guess from but I guess kind of going back to the to the to the story itself. Um, do you think it's worth investing then, or because I mean this is good when we unpack the conversation. I, I'm still of the opinion that I would just keep the money in cash and not invest it. But you make a good point. Right? But I would still probably stick to my original plan of of keeping the money in cash for that time frame. Yeah, and I would probably keep some in cash and split a bunch. Cool. Okay. Okay. So there you have it. Um I don't know if that person's reading our or listening to us. Uh maybe coincidentally they do. But uh, a couple of different options on the table. Um and uh but it sounds like we both agree not all in investing. It's good to split the middle, some cash, some invested from your perspective. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Okay. Um, The third story we have today, and it's somewhat related, does a large down payment make a house affordable? Um, Yes, I guess that's the the short answer. Uh, It could make it more affordable. Um, I think for me, reading through this story a little bit, you know, they're talking about 30 years old, currently making 87K, take home 5K, purchase the home, purchase the home in 2016 for 85K, it's worth buck fifty. Uh, let's see, they're casually looking at homes, now they want to look at something that is double, right? But they're making more money, they're factoring in the HOA, they're looking at down payments, um, I think for me, Paul, yes, right, the more you could put down the better. A lot of lessons learned on my part. We talk about it on the podcast. Um, There's no secret. Uh, My whole thing, my whole mantra is pay that mortgage off as fast as you humanly can. But that once again, that's a personal opinion um, and and something that I followed. Uh, But I could tell you from firsthand experience, I've done kind of the smaller down payment to get the first condo with, with my wife. And really rolled some dice, right, early on. It worked out, right? but maybe it might have not, right, if I had lost a job in between there or something like that. To me, the more money you could put down on the house, uh, the better. Um, and, and, you know, and I guess, you know, if they sold their house and I guess they're looking at, you know, some of the cash and do you put it all in, do you go, you know, that kind of thing. I would put it all in uh, with enough out to make sure you have a, a decent emergency fund. So, That would be my take on it, would be that um, I would put as much as you can as the down payment and 
leave enough aside for an emergency, right? You're buying a new house, you know, um, with these high-end finishes that they talk about here. Um, you know, those those houses still have hot water tanks. They still have heating and cooling units, right? Um, nowadays, I don't care where you are in the country, uh, new heating and cooling could be five to 10,000 or more, right? Depending on the size of the house. And you might need a new roof, right? Uh, you might move in and you know, you get flooded and you didn't have the right insurance. There's a lot of things that come into play. So for me, I would put as much down on the down payment as I can as I can afford to make it more affordable. And I would put enough aside to make sure I have a, a decent emergency fund. Uh, Paul, what was your take on this question? So, you know, they're saying they're pre-approved for a 450K loan at 2.875%. So that's a great rate. It's... Um, very cheap money is what I would say to that. So I would make sure I put down 20% on a loan. This way I don't have the PMI, personal mortgage insurance, which personal mortgage insurance is really a, a nomenclature. It doesn't help you, it's not personal at all. It's only to, to help protect the bank. For those of you who don't know what it is, look it up. Um, there's nothing to do to help you, it's just an additional fee. So I would hit that 20% mark, Paul. I would keep the rest on the side, yes, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the emergency fund. And then what I would do is, you know, maybe do the 30 year because it's such a low rate. And if you want to pay off more, you now have the flexibility to pay off more month to month, but you can control that flow. So making the additional payments when you can, depending on your salary or your type of job, and use the, the gates of you controlling the money versus, you know, paying it up so much up front and then having a lot less reserve, a lot less emergency, and a lot less flexibility. So, I mean, it's less than 3%. It's not a lot of on a loan. So, uh, so I'd hit the 20%, maybe, maybe 25%, depending on how much of the savings they're talking here. And then if I want to pay extra in the beginning, I would, again, paying extra in the beginning is when you owe the most, so that additional principal payment will have the greatest impact in the beginning at the tail end of the loan. That's how I would structure it, knowing, yeah. say, hey, I would pay maybe $1,000 a month is what my bottom is, but if I want, maybe I pay 1500 a month, but I can control that gate. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's where we would disagree, right? I think my my less my per, once again, it's all personal, right? And I think for me, um, that's probably one of the regrets. And I think you hit it on the head. Um, with at least for me, is you're paying a lot more upfront at the at the beginning of the loan, right? So the more you could shave off, the better. And I understand kind of the the control gate a bit because I did that. Man, I regretted it. I, you know, if I look back, I should have just, I should have just put that cash in up front. Should have just done that, right? I think that um, it, 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 there's nothing wrong with leaving enough on the sidelines, like an emergency fund, um, a healthy, healthy emergency fund. But I think my lesson learned over time is I probably could have had my home paid off faster if I had um, just put the money in up front and not kind of kept it on the sidelines. Uh, but once again, this is that debate that if you listen back to past podcasts, we disagree on in terms of, you know, the whole cheap money concept and 
and all those kind of pieces, right? And you could listen back to the to the old podcasts uh, out there. Um, but I, once again, I don't think there's a to me. I don't know if there's a. I don't think there's a right or way wrong way to do it. I think for me personally, um, I want to once again get rid of the mortgage as fast as possible. If I got a large amount, knowing what I know now over the past thirty years, um, I would front load as much cash into that down payment as humanly possible and put as much on the sidelines that would make me comfortable for an emergency fund, but the rest would go into the to the mortgage. You see, so. Paul, and, and I, I agree with you because when you and I bought our first homes, the rates were much higher. I remember my first home loan was, I think, 7.5%. And I think that changes the equation dramatically. Here you're talking 2.85% huge difference yeah i know we we could probably revisit this on the podcast right but for that 2.875 you got to make five six percent on your money to get that after tax effect like it it just and there's risk involved right there's all these you know it goes back to where's my money better off right and and that's what everyone talks about right is it better off in the house is it better off on the sidelines in a cash account is it better off in investing Right. And we've we've touched upon this. And believe me, I've been called a moron by many other friends on this topic um, and, and including uh, my financial superhero. Right. Um, and, and I get it. Um, but I, I think personally, once again, um, if it were me and what's how we have to answer the questions on this show. Right. Is um, if it were me, if it were me, I'd front load as much as I could, knowing what I know now. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I, I still stand on it, but that's okay. Uh, cause I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it all comes down to, um, the person. And we always talk about the personal finance is very personal. So it comes down to what your comfort level is and what you think, um, for you is the right thing for you and your family. Totally agree. You know, so cool, cool. Um, the next topic we have is... First time looking into personal loans for 20K of credit card debt. Um, Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, So people have run up the cards. This is a a pattern that I think is very prevalent here in America, Paul. I think you'd agree. Um, If you don't watch it, you kind of turn around. Whoa, where'd that debt come from, right? Like that literally happens. Um, That used to happen. That was a hot topic, Paul, on... Dave Ramsey for years, they always would. That's most of the debt, right? It was people that would go out and spend stuff on, you know, they would spend, it would cost them in the end $300 for a steak dinner at Sizzler, right? Because by the time you tack on all the credit card fees and interest, um, you know, people blink and they just go through the money. Um, I guess for me, when I read this story, um, it's interesting. They're they're talking about emotions and they're talking about all these different pieces. I I think I would kind of take a look at maybe a little bit of card surfing, which I've done, right? That 0% interest kind of card surfing. Uh, for those of you not familiar, you know, if you have a credit card that's, you know, you have to pay 10% on, for example, or 19%, whatever the fee is, and then you could surf it or move it over to a credit card with with, you know, 0% interest for, I don't know, a year, you know, and then take advantage of that and try to, 
tighten your belt and, and knock down that 20K. I guess it's all relative in terms of ratios. I don't know how much this person makes. Do they have 20,000 in credit card debt and they make 100,000 a year or they have 20,000 in credit card and they make 20,000 a year? I don't know. But for me, it sounds like 20,000 is a lot of money in their life. And and so, um, and it's a lot of money in both our lives, Paul, I would say 20K. It's nothing to sneeze at here. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I had that much debt, I, I would probably try to figure out um, those criteria before taking a personal loan. I guess you could take, a, if you have access to a personal loan, um, you could go for it. If it, And once again, that's a math equation, right? If you go to, she's talking about going, he or she's talking about going to the credit union, Um if you're paying 19% and you get a $20,000 loan for 8%, uh, go for the 8%, right? Like, I, I think that's what it comes down to, uh, laying out your options, doing the math, um, that type of thing. Paul, what's your take on this story? So it was um, a couple of key points I, I thought were interesting here. One, their interest in payments are $700 a month, and they'd like to pay close to the amount towards the loan. So if they do do a personal loan, $700 a month, will have a significant impact on that loan, especially 20K, you know, that's $8,400 a year towards it. So, you know, figure three years, they're completely paid off. I did not think about the credit card surfing idea. I thought that was pretty neat, Paul, good call out there. You know, you, you get those offers all the time, as you said, transfer your balance to something else. Um, you do that, you need to be dicey. It's uh, dicey, you need to really watch yourself on that. The one thing I thought was interesting in this article is that they used to have high credit score and they're not frivolous. Okay, so uh, maybe they had some large medical expense or something that they had this $20,000 debt now. It's uh, two credit cards and, uh, and an Apple credit card, I guess. So three credit cards in total. That's a lot of debt on three cards. And that's why your credit score is gonna take a hit. Anytime you go more than six percent on a credit card you really want to say around four percent or lower once you hit six percent it starts chipping away at your credit score as well so this is an interesting one um me um i i would probably see if i could play the credit card surfing rule that you were you were just talking about i forgot about it but now you brought it up i'd probably try and do that for a year and see rather than the personal loan because those personal loans are much higher like you said around eight percent or so but obviously cheaper than the credit card itself rate at 20, up to 25%, I think they're allowed to go to now. Yeah, it's interesting. I, yeah, I think that I didn't realize the hit on the credit score. We talked about that. We had a whole podcast. And, and those of you listening, listen back. Paul is really, really uh, well-schooled, I'll say that, in, in the credit score. Right. Like I I learned a lot, just like I learned a lot about electric cars. I learned a lot about credit scores from Paul, um, the other Paul. We'll just say the other Paul. Right. So um, you just have to know our voices. Uh, but but yeah, that that's interesting, Paul. I did not realize the drastic effect that having those credit cards could be on your credit score, which could affect you know, once we've talked about that it affects and affects car insurance. I don't know why, but, you know, but I don't I didn't know why. Right. Like uh, now, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things that's very that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I would yeah. I would try to, you know, once again, I, I'm going to go back to some Dave Ramsey isms where, you know, he would berate people. Look, you're not going out to dinner. You are not getting any new cars. And I know this person says they're frivolous, but 
what I liked about Dave sometimes is when you dig deep, like he'll say, okay, how much is your car payment? And this person might say, oh, it's 800 a month. (laughs) You don't know, right? Uh, But he would go through that rant of questions, those key questions, because people don't equate a car payment as part of the problem, right? Uh, Stuff like that. But let's assume that this person was not a frivolous spender. Um, there, There is always some level of room if you really sharpen the pencil on your budget to find more money. There's also maybe some level of flexibility that this person may have to get a part-time job on the weekends. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not berating people into getting and wearing themselves out. I just think that when it comes to these types of situations, got to lay all the options on the table on what you can do, right? Credit card surfing. You keep pay- You can keep paying what you're paying, right? That's what option one. You just keep it going and you just pay it forever and you live with it like a pet, like an angry pet you got to lock up in your closet and you take it out every once in a while, right? Um, or you are doing the credit card surfing or you're doing some sort of personal loan, right? Or do you tighten the belt and, you know, have at it, right? Do you call some of these creditors and see what you could do in terms of reducing your interest rate? There's so many different things that you could do. I think the big thing here, Paul, and you'll agree is there's going to be some level of effort on your part to solve this. Because if you sit in the corner and just let it fester and just let it continue, it's just going to continue. So you have to take some level of action to address it. And maybe it's a combination of all those things. Maybe it's a little card surfing. Maybe it's a few calls to the credit card companies. Maybe it's tightening your belt. Maybe it's getting a small loan. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe it's all of these things. But um, the one thing I warn people against, though, and I've heard this and I've seen it firsthand, people get the loan lower rate, so that you know they 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 move the twenty k into a small personal loan for five k, you know, five percent interest. And then they turn around 18 months later and they're back to 20K in the credit cards. Plus now they have the loan. Yep. So people have to be careful of that part, right? Like that part can happen where there's this big windfall of money where you think, well, this is now I'll just get rid of it. Now I don't, it's not a big deal anymore. It's off the table. I kind of stuffed it under the rug or hit it behind the couch. But then you turn around 12, 18 months later and you're back up in credit card debt, right? So that's just something to be careful of. If you're going to tackle it, have a plan to make sure that you don't do it again for that 20K. And Paul, to your point, if it was medical, I hope this person's okay. They say they're not frivolous, so maybe this 20K was for something very important. I don't know. But there's a tendency for people who get in, get themselves into this hole that they're doing it because um, it's easy to do. And if they're not careful, they'll just keep doing it, right? So that's just another thing I'm going to kind of call out there totally agree with you cool cool um the last topic we have is need medical credit card recommendations for weight loss surgery um i read this and and i i don't want to make light of it but um i I think that from personal experience um i think there may be other options Right. Is the weight loss surgery the way to go? So I'm kind of flipping this on its side, Paul, and I don't know yeah, th- all this the is details. More you, Paul. This yeah. is this one. I lost a lot uh, of weight at God one point. You. Yeah. And yes. and and it could and I could have been probably considered for some level of weight loss surgery. Probably could have qualified somehow. Um didn't go that route. Happy I didn't go that route. Um 
I think there's other options on the table. So that's the first thing I have to ask is, you know, okay, you need weight loss surgery. Do you need the surgery? Right. And I, I am a big fan of um, some of these TV shows, um, watching the, kind of the stories unfold with people when they get the weight loss surgery and um, my 600 pound life. And I'm not making light of it. I, it's a really, it's really fascinating um, because people get, you know, get to that point and I could see it happening. Right. I definitely was on my way. Um, and, and, but I think that weight loss surgery is really drastic. And whenever I kind of, when I read this question, I said, mm, is there another way? And, but assuming there isn't another way, because that's the question we're answering here. I, I, I don't know personally if I would put weight loss surgery on a credit card, right? I, I, it feels like this is like where they have that financing for LASIK or, you know, for LASIK surgery or financing for um, plastic surgery, right? And, and I know this is a little different because your health is in play here, but I think if it were me, my advice to this person would be take six months even three months. Take three months and really focus on losing the weight and see how far you get in three months. See how far you get in six months. If 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 at that point in time you still feel you need to get this weight loss surgery, I, I probably still wouldn't do the credit card, Paul. I, I don't know. It just it feels wrong to me to pay to put this type of surgery on a credit card. Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll shut up. What's your take on this story? I don't have a good answer here. I probably would recommend not doing a credit card, medical, especially medical credit card. I've seen people, I've heard stories where people get their teeth done and they spend, you know, you know, they spend $7,000 in fees and financing charges for something if would have cost them 1500 if they just saved the money and gotten the root canal with cash. But Paul, I'll hand yeah, it off so to you. Yeah, no, I, I I sort of agree with you, and honestly, Paul, I yeah, I, I can't commend you enough on what you had done. Uh, you you cut yourself in half, right? To to be clear, um, and uh, the amount of drive that you had to do that was outstanding, and um, I, I I can't get past that. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, the the credit card for a weight loss surgery. Um, I, I look at you as my example, quite honestly. So I, I've never really thought of a medical credit card. Um, never needed to, I guess, thankfully, knock on wood. So it's very interesting and, and foreign to me. But putting something like this on, on a credit card seems a little uh, awkward to me. You know, it's not like you need open heart surgery necessarily and you're financing it that would probably be through the hospital anyway so a credit card is just interesting um i i really have no experience or anything anything on this other than you know i don't know get on the bike paul or, or take a spin class i, yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> I, yeah i i was trying not to be that harsh but i think we're both on the same page and i appreciate your your uh your your uh your um your compliments i appreciate that um i think one of the well, things well, give people context so paul and i've known each other for a really long time and you know paul was bigger let's just say it right paul you are yeah and yeah 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 there's no no I doubt you, you know 
I met you on the street one day. We hadn't seen each other in a really long time. We had talked, but I hadn't actually gotten together because kids and life was crazy. And you said, let's meet up. And we met up outside in front of my building. I didn't, people, I didn't even recognize him. He looked so different. He could have walked <laughs> right by me because I was looking for an old Paul, not new Paul. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I worry that new Paul took it a little too far. Well, well, that, that's what that. I was going to say, Paul. I'm a little bit up, not not where I was, thank God, right? Um, I thank do want to come back down to a, a, a um, I'll call it a reasonable level, um, but I am still within the means of, of where I want to, you know, I'm still where I need to be, but I have to watch it. My family has that tendency, but I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and, and you said something that I kind of want to dig out from before, Paul, um, you didn't have experience in it. Thank God, thankful and grateful. I'm in the same boat. Did this person, does this person have health insurance? Have they talked to their healthcare provider? Have they done their homework to make those phone calls, right? There's, that's the one thing about a lot of these things, Paul. There's options that people need to, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, where I get, what's the term, myopic, right? You kind of get horse blinded into one thing. And you think you got one option or you only got two options, right? When you really un when you peel it all back, you might have five, you might have 10. And that might be weight loss surgery. That might be a job opportunity. That could be anything, right? And and people, I don't think, look at all the options that they have on the table because sometimes it's just easier to go with the one that's right in front of you. Yeah, I, I, that's a great call out, Paul, to call your health insurance provider if you have health insurance. They, they might have a program for that. Yeah. Because they... A lot of them have programs for to get you healthy because in the long run, it costs them less. So it behooves them to help you. So that's a really, really great call out there. Yeah, and, and it kind of I'll kind of close on this note. Um, I had to take – I went with my daughter and my niece, and you'll see how this ties in. Um, I'll make it short. My daughter and my niece, We my, my niece is going to John Jay College in New York, right? So she wanted to get – learn how to navigate the city a bit, right? So I went with the, th the three of us went, took the train from Westchester County into Grand Central Station. From Grand Central Station, we walked to Times Square and we were, you know, figuring out the subways. And we went from Times Square to where her school is at Columbus Circle and did the walk over. And then we went from there to where her dorms are uptown. Um, and when we got to John Jay, um, we, you know, we spent all this time getting there. We're standing on the steps of the school and, you know, there's a guard inside and I'm shaking doors and my niece and my daughter are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, and I walked in and, you know, I just walked up to the guard and we were just, I said, you know, my niece, she's here, you know, we're came in from all the way up, but, uh, you know, and I don't know. Right. But the, the guard was like, look, he goes, um, you got a, you got a ID on you? I said, yeah, sure. Um, driver's, what do you mean? Uh, Driver's license. Yeah, yeah, I got a driver's license. He goes, you know, give me your driver's license and you guys can walk around. Right? And so we get in to the school and we're walking around and it's empty, but it's 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 pretty cool. I never been to John Jay. But, you know, I told my niece as a kind of a teachable moment and I looked at my daughter and I said, what does daddy always say, right? If you don't ask, and my daughter says, you don't get. Right? So if you don't ask your healthcare provider, you're definitely not going to get their help. Yeah. Right. But if I, you ask, maybe there's other options that they have wide open to you. Right. Or maybe you got to ask a few people there. Maybe there's other nutrition programs. Maybe they'll get you a coach. Maybe they'll pay for your gym membership. I don't know. But if you don't ask, you definitely won't get. 
So I'll kind of leave it on that note. That's kind of maybe that's my recap for today, Paul. I'll let you have the last word on it. But my recap is if you don't ask, you don't get <laughs> take it with what it's worth. But that's this was kind of a good way to kind of tie it together for this weight loss surgery piece. I think there's other options on the table. And if you don't ask for some of those options, you definitely won't get them. If you think that the credit card is your only option, I would double check that. So, Paul, what's your last uh, what's your take on this uh, recap for today? No, I kind of agree with you a lot on a lot of this. And the one thing about this, Paul, is these are on Reddit. So people are actually asking for help. Uh, maybe not necessarily the best place always, but I, I'm going to I'm going to ask you on the special medical weight loss one to reply there and put in your thoughts there on that to call the health care provider if they have one and such. Oh, that's this a good call. A, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That, that's actually uh, you know what we that's a first. And probably uh, very selfish of us is the financial dads don't respond enough here, right? Um, that's a great call out, Paul. I am going to do that. I am going to put a few thoughts in and comment on this question for them, and I'll put a little thought in, and, and, and Paul, that'll be my good deed for today. Wonderful. Cool, cool. Okay, great. I think with that, uh, well, Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. Thank you.